Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. For years now, Arizona has caught the nation's attention as the Silicon Desert, a major hotspot for technology companies and budding startups. Between the state's lower business costs, more affordable standard of living, and growing talent pool, it's no surprise that Phoenix and Tucson are rapidly climbing the ranks of emerging international startup ecosystems. And with that, welcome to Phoenix Business Radio. I'm Karen Nowicki, president and owner of Phoenix Business Radio X, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. Arizona TechCast discusses the critical issues, the topics, and the trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. So please join me in a warm welcome with today's featured guests. Uh, on the screen here, we have Stephanie Bermudas, founder and CEO of Startup Unidos. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. So thrilled to have you. And Eric Smith, Executive Director of the University of Arizona Center for Innovation. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you. And I'm excited to have another warm live body in the studio with me, my friend Diana Vows, who is the CEO of Startup Arizona. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. I probably should say Startup AZ. Is that the official? Startup AZ. Startup AZ. I added the word Arizona, but it's just the AZ. Very happy to have all three of you here with Steve Zalster and I. He is the president and CEO of Arizona Technology Council so that we can discuss the statewide entrepreneur support hubs that are helping to elevate technology-minded startup founders. We have a lot of interesting content to cover, so let's dive in. Welcome, Steve. I didn't give you a chance to say hello. Hello. It's great to be here. So great. We always have an incredible conversation. At the end of each hour, we always find ourselves saying, we need to have you all back again for, you know, chapter two. And I have no doubt that this conversation will feel very similar towards the end. We'd like to start off the conversation by asking each of the speakers to briefly introduce yourselves and the role that your organization plays in the, uh, Arizona's technology ecosystem. And uh, Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind getting started for us, and then we'll, we'll just jump around and, and see who's ready to follow that. Yeah, no problem. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Bermudez. I'm an Ambos Nogales native. Uh, Nogales is in southern Arizona in northern Sonora, Mexico. And uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Startup Unidos. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. Welcome. I'm Diana Vowles. Uh, I'm the CEO of Startup AZ. Uh, Startup AZ is about seven years old now, and we work with early stage founders, bringing founders together uh, to connect, to collaborate, to learn, build stronger companies, and pay it forward with generosity. And uh, I'm Eric Smith. I'm the executive director of the University of Arizona Center for Innovation. We're the University of Arizona Startup Incubator Network, and we serve scalable science and technology ventures. We have 75 of them. Our footprint for these ventures, of course, is mostly 
in the state of Arizona that we serve companies uh, both uh, nationally and internationally with programming, the people that execute on that programming in various spaces. And I'm Steve Zylstra, co-host today and uh, president and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council and the SciTech Institute. Uh, we're a statewide uh, trade association representing technology-based companies with offices in both Phoenix and Tucson. Uh, we do public policy advocacy. We do about 150 events a year. We have a number of publications and we negotiate lower cost products and services for our members. Karen, I'll go ahead and expand a little bit more on Startup Unidos. So Please. according to my geographic location and my native roots, um, the work uh, that we focus on in the overall ecosystem building is specific to the borderlands. So we focus um, in Santa Cruz County and are currently on a scalable plan to um, service other border communities with small business services, entrepreneurial education. We also do innovative workforce development and we offer all of our work, um, not just in Spanish for Hispanic communities in Southern Arizona, but we anchor everything that we do um, in the culture of the borderlands. So we're the, the borderlands amigo <laughs> in, in the ecosystem um, that is, is uh, su uh, supporting partners from all across the state in reaching um, otherwise overlooked border communities. Hmm. I'm so glad so you added that. I'd like to start with the first question. Um, in 1985, I think, uh, I started uh, a precursor to the Arizona Technology Council called the Arizona Innovation Network. And uh, it focused uh, initially exclusively on small businesses and entrepreneurial companies. Uh, the ecosystem for startups was pretty nascent at that point. Uh, it's changed a lot over the years. I was wondering if each of you can talk about really how it's evolved over the last three to five years. Eric, you want to start? Sure. So uh, I'll take it back um, just a little bit broader in terms of the uh, the time frame, uh, because I am uh, I always consider myself an entrepreneur. Um, though in the in the decade of startups that I participated in, they were mostly failures. I still consider myself as such. And so I participated in the ecosystem uh, or the various uh, innovation ecosystems in the state of Arizona. Uh, both as an entrepreneur as well as a service provider to entrepreneurs. And the one thing that I've seen in the last, we'll say, five or even 10 years is a significant amount of uh, growth and collaboration. And so, um, you know, what's really exciting about Arizona is that all the pieces are here, um, you know, and, and what we've started to see is that those pieces are starting to come together and work together to support these companies throughout the state where maybe 10 years ago, you might talk to any one operation that serves innovators throughout the state, and they would be able to claim that this company that they supported was now very successful. Now, if you have that conversation, it's not my operation supported this company and it's successful. It's collectively the village that is the state of Arizona and all of these operations. I know I have startups that are involved in many others operations throughout the state. And so now um, we kind of have seen that, you know, involvement, that collaboration increase. And so now we all get to claim the success in our state. A great point. I'll add to that. When I first started working with tech companies in Arizona about 10 years ago, Arizona and, and Phoenix in particular was perceived as the place that you put your back office operations or the place that you put your inside sales operations and large companies didn't, um, I don't think, realize the full potential of Arizona. 
uh, what I've seen in the past 10 years is, is a significant change there. Um, you've seen the engineering programs expand at the universities, and you've seen other schools come in, galvanize other tech boot camps, other players that are strengthening the talent pool, which has caused large companies to really look differently at our state. And we now, I feel like we've we've grown up a little bit um, and we're more of a true tech hub. So I think companies take us more seriously around the country when they're thinking about places to locate. Um, I think startup founders have greater opportunities here now. And I would say the biggest thing that I've seen change in the past five years is that startup founders, five years ago, for the most part, startup founders in Arizona were told that if you want your company to be successful and you want to raise venture capital, uh, you need to move the company to the Bay Area or to New York or to Boston or somewhere, but some, but not in Arizona. Um, I've seen that change significantly. And the founders that we work with are increasingly seeing a greater percentage of their VC funding coming from Arizona. And you no longer hear VCs say, well, yeah, you know, you have to leave Arizona to build a company because that's just not the case anymore. I think the pandemic, as challenging it was as it has been on, on the world, I think it helped that area uh, where people can be anywhere and can build great companies here. And we've now had uh, 100 founders come through the Startup AZ Collective program, and the currently active ones uh, have about 1,200 employees. They've raised $215 million in capital, and they are valued at over a billion dollars. So, I mean, you've seen the numbers increase. The numbers kind of tell the story. So I've been thrilled to be here and be part of it and look forward to uh, it continuing. I think the other piece I'll add to that is the collaboration with all the different entities it is greater here than anywhere I've experienced. And I, I moved eight times with my previous job. So I've worked in a lot of markets. Um, I think here there is a true belief that we want to see people succeed and we don't always have to be the ones to take credit for it. It's a collaborative effort. So uh, I would echo what Eric said on that. Stephanie, what about on the border? How have things changed over the last three or five years? I think I have an interesting story. You know, my my border story and uh, my involvement with the ecosystem spans our state. Um, it includes our southern partners, uh, which is the state of Sonora. And uh, my history is actually in developing the innovation district and entrepreneurial service organization groups and and programs in Tucson. Yeah. Uh, that's where that's where I started. That's where I know Eric and where. Um, I really got an opportunity to be able to examine the revitalization of, of downtown Tucson and how the density there um, was just attractive enough. It, it, it provided all of the right ingredients to, um, to produce something really amazing that we now see in downtown Tucson, which is like the heart of our innovation. Tech parks are out there, but we're all connected. So that collaboration is key. And it was me working in Tucson um, not in my hometown, that I discovered how important our Southern uh, partners are in the economic impact um, at the state level and where I got curious enough, you know, to to go back. Um, Startup Unidos uh, was actually born in the state of Sonora, um, in the capital of Sonora, uh, from a, a Harvard program where we were challenged uh, to look and examine um, an opportunity to strengthen the innovation ecosystem in the state of Sonora. And I stumbled upon this opportunity and just like so Arizona's economy cannot thrive without Sonora, I grabbed onto this opportunity and there is where 
um, Startup O'Neill's was was born. Um, that's where we developed our program and grew from there. Um, so when we think about innovation and ecosystem and opportunity and how we we can um, compete, um, as Steve knows, because you know the SciTech Institute is is cross border, and as Eric knows, you know um, tech parks and also the Center for Innovation. Um, and um, Startup AZ, they've all been supportive partners in our work um, across borders. So we understand, and and this topic is is not a new topic, um, but what we have to offer is that we are organized to do the work. So I came across um, too many frustrations where all of the ideas were already outlined. These conversations um, had been thriving in rich circles for many years, but why wasn't the work being done? <laughs> familiar, right? Sounds super familiar to, to all of us. Um, we all sit in those circles. We we all know exactly what is needed, but sometimes we're held by um, so many factors. You know, it could be red tape. It could be uh, funding. <laughs> it could be a combination of both and many other things. So Startup Unidos, um, were, were the role that we play is in that intermediate. Like we are the doers. We, we are that connective tissue. We are the boots on the ground. We are, um, you know, uh, making sure that we supply the information to those decision makers um, on, at the state level um, across both states so that they, they truly um, can examine and, you know, move forward as a region, as a, a mega region, which is uh, truly what we are. So, you know, I wouldn't have wanted uh, such a transformation, tr transformation to happen a technical technological transformation to happen uh, thanks to COVID, but it has. A lot of uh, communities, rural and, and beyond at all levels of society, um, we've been forced to adopt technology and become users of technology. And one thing that I know for certain is that once you see how technology can work for you and solve everyday challenges for you, um, you are more likely to adopt technology as a solution for yourself and see yourself as a creator of technology. So this time is really exciting, you know, to have like a foundation of partners um, across the state, both states, both Arizona and Sonora, um, to really like uh, uplift <laughs> this opportunity, this um, recovery time, you know, this resilience era. And that's really in the space in which I work, like I don't, work with a lot of high tech companies, although I know them and I can absolutely connect to them, but I work um, with at the idea stage. You know, I, I work with uh, people who are practicing, um, seeing themselves as solution makers. Um, and I, I work with a lot of small businesses in, um, in recovering from the impacts of, of COVID. And because of COVID, you know, there's also funding on the table. So we're able to play in ways that we hadn't before. Like those ideas that we have been dreaming for, we wouldn't have dreamt them in this way, of course, but now we can act on them. Now we can practice what we preach. And a lot of what was being preached is reaching marginalized communities, overlooked communities, Hispanic communities. And I'm right here, <laughs> I'm right here, you know, working with partners, with academia, with government, with grassroots organizations, as that bridge, as that connective tissue, to start a conversation and mobilize more people to adopt technology and see themselves as those change makers, right? And and join join the ecosystem and feel like they're welcome and they, they have a, a place in it. 
So it's not easy work, um, but it's certainly work that's uh, worth doing. <laughs> thank you, Stephanie. And thank you for mentioning the SciTech Institute. Uh, as you know, we have a, our chief science officers program uh, in, in Sonora. We have dozens and dozens of, um, of chief science officers. And we're, we want to do a cross-border SciTech festival as well. So we'll have to collaborate with you uh, on that. You know, um, a lot has changed as we have discussed in the, in the startup ecosystem here in Arizona. For instance, you know, for most of my time in Arizona, one of the major issues was there wasn't enough funding, right? As uh, Diana suggested, and now more companies are being funded here in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, and there was uh, almost $2 billion of uh, venture investment in 2021. What are some of the other barriers that um, some of the entrepreneurial companies face here in Arizona, uh, like capital formation and, and things of that sort? Diana, you want, want to start? Yeah, from my standpoint, um, I mentioned the pandemic was helpful to Arizona in many ways. Um, for early stage tech companies who are trying to recruit really strong talent, that's sometimes a double-edged sword. Uh, on one hand, you can live in Arizona and work from anywhere. On the other hand, in the companies that are in Arizona, these early stage founders now have a lot more competition because the people that they may have been able to get to have opportunities to work for companies and again, work remotely, work from anywhere. So I think in the tech space, the talent acquisition challenge is probably the biggest one. And the crazy market situation that we've had for the past uh, 12 to 18 months has caused venture funding to increase in tech companies and it's also raised the salary so the talent mm -hmm. the talent equation it's gotten more expensive for founders to find really good talent and the talent can work from anywhere so yeah the talent is in the driver's seat right now but that's a that's a big challenge what about in uh, southern arizona or across the state or yeah, you know, it's interesting. So uh, I would say that the challenges that we see with the startup companies that we have in Arizona are probably not Arizona unique challenges. Um, there are more challenges uh, no matter what state that you're in. Um, but I'll try to mention something that's probably more recently relevant and something that I found fascinating as we were helping our startups kind of go over the last couple of years. And one of the things that, that specifically the founders of uh, scalable science and technology startups um, have found over the last couple of years is that, yes, to Stephanie's point, there's a lot of money coming down. There's a lot of support. And, and, there, and thankfully, there's a lot of support for small businesses. The difference and where we find with our startups, the scalable science and technology startups, the challenge with them is compared to maybe a restaurant or a retail store, they often don't have assets or employee payrolls. It's co-founders, they're on operating agreements and with, for equity in the company, they're eating ramen, right? Doing all the great things that we love to read about. But that also means that they don't have the collateral to back up uh, traditional loans. All the wonderful, incredible PPP money that saved so many companies was not available to any of the tech startups, not just in our state, but in others, if they're early stage and they don't have those assets. And so for us, you know, we've seen this as a major uh, challenge for our startups. And then, of course, I will rely on, on Stephanie as the expert to talk about this, but increasing the diversity of startups that we serve and the ability for diverse founders to find support has been a key thing. We've taken on, you know, specifically helping to support female founders with some public and private money to help foster some of that. But 
I would say that also has seemed to be um, a challenge is really, you know, appropriately providing service for all types of entrepreneurs. And again, it's not just an Arizona problem. I think we, we'd see that everywhere. Stephanie, anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. Like, oh, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> so um, different challenges uh, require creative solutions. And the, the current channels that we have when it comes to access to capital, they're not that creative. <laughs> and they're not that accessible. And, and we know that. It doesn't take me to say that. Uh, there's plenty of information out there pointing at how we're not doing enough you know, in bringing diverse founders to the table and we're doing less in really dissecting what the issue could be because the, I think the, just the, the climate out there is scary and nobody wants to do the wrong thing, but we have to do better. Um, so we have to have more, more conversations if we really want to resolve for that and bring more people who are facing the issue to the table. And as a person of color myself um, and somebody who is uh, already rooted into the ecosystem in um, unfolding startup O'Neill's, I had I had quite a challenge, like in looking for support capital uh, still to the day. You know, we're, we're continuing uh, to build our program and, and, you know, me being in it, I don't know how much of that has to do with my social class or, you know, whether I'm a person of color, I, I don't know. There are some really great alternatives out there and individuals in our state in Southern Arizona who are looking to resolve um, the access to capital and getting really creative with a solution. Community Investment Corporation offers a BIPOC, an alternative BIPOC loan fund um, at 0%. Um, and they don't ask, they don't have the same requirements as a, a normal loan as far as it's all based on storytelling. So it's really based on like, the impact and, and what you have to offer and not on your credit because um, diverse founders aren't uh, equipped in the way that traditionally you need to be to to get access to some of these these resources, especially women. You know, we saw that during COVID, um, how we're being basically forced out of the workforce, right? Because we have to attend to other obligations. You know, we have to consider a lot of creative ways of, of allowing for entrepreneurs to get off the ground. So that could be bootstrapping or or crowdfunding or other ways of just getting them started and playing with the idea and getting comfortable. And, you know, there are studies out there by Stanford um, that show that uh, Latinx founders specifically, we go to friends and family when it comes to, you know, finding capital. We have a distrust of the traditional um, institutions and, and, and kind of sources or government for, for funding. And we don't have the same relationships um, with our, our banks and things like that, making us less, less bankable. But I think that there's also an opportunity to just uh, look at capital in more than just like money. I built Startup O'Neill's on social capital. And I talk about the value and the exchange of my social network and the currency that I was able to extract from it to build social capital um, to establish us, you know, across states based on um, those really strong relationships that I had that carried us through, even if it wasn't an organic way. So we just, we got to get creative, right? And uh, COVID has everybody ready, I think, just like pumped, eager. And we have the resources or better access to those resources to make it possible. So we're on the right path. We've all had a wake-up call, uh, you know, and uh, and this is our chance. Like, 
I think that the money that's on the table right now is the right kind of money that we're going to see have an impact for the next 50 years. So no pressure to everybody <laughs> in this circle. <laughs> right. Hey, I would like to continue this conversation around barriers and challenges and how your organizations are solving these problems, what you're doing to address it. But if we could, let's break for just a moment for our first uh, shout out to one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back to hearing from both uh, Eric and Diana as well. We want to thank Arizona Commerce Authority, who is AZ TechCast 2022 Innovation Sponsor. The Arizona Commerce Authority is the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona, excuse me, Arizona's economy. Let's hear from them for just a moment. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. that spot every month. And it always gets me so proud and excited to live in Arizona and be a business owner every single time. Love it. So I know Stephanie spoke to each of you spoke to the barriers. And then uh, Stephanie spoke a little bit about, you know, kind of what what your organization is doing to meet those challenges. I'm sure you have more ideas. Would love to have the three of you discuss that for us. What's happening to organizations to address these barriers? I guess I can kick it off. Um, so, uh, you know, first of all, I, I will say that I think in general, the core purpose of the organizations, both represented uh, here today as well as throughout the state, really is to address those challenges. So, you know, it's not that we, um, you know, uh, just kicked up to address the newest form. Uh, we're always here and always helping entrepreneurs to navigate those challenges. And so um, I think just, you know, the very nature of us existing and running the programming that we do. Uh, helps to accomplish that goal. Um, but in addition to that, you know, I'll reference two specific things that our incubator does, just as an example, uh, to help with some of these challenges. You know, one of the things uh, that we've talked about is a little bit of access to capital. We've also talked about the, um, you know, uh, corporate atmosphere. And so um, in the pandemic, we started a sponsorship program for, so we work now with corporations and municipalities. Uh, we put on virtual competitions and those corporations or municipalities then sponsor the startups in the incubator. They cover their fees, they cover their space, and they provide them oftentimes with additional support. 
And so um, it's really incredible because now we have a number of startups out there that are going off and doing successful things. And the reason that they were able to get that support is because somebody else paid for it, right? But then also we get to communicate throughout the state. Look at these great companies. Look at these municipalities. We have towns and cities that are sponsoring startups in our incubator right now. Um, and it was a very easy way. And it's an easy pitch, to be honest, because these corporations, municipalities, they want to do this work. And then we kick this off, uh, this particular program off during the pandemic. So, you know, you could take $10,000 and what you used to be spending on a lunch, you can now make an impact for a whole group of individuals inside of a startup for a year. So it's, it's actually been um, a, almost the easiest ask to make. Um, so that's one way that, uh, that we've helped to um, look at more recent challenges. And then Another thing that we do, um, and this is in line with, with maybe some of Stephanie's work, so we have a pretty significant um, international soft landings program. So one of the things that we didn't address in the last segment is that um, maybe not um, what are the challenges that startups in Arizona face, but sometimes you have startups from out of Arizona that want to move here. And so what are then the challenges that any startup faces when trying to navigate a new environment or a new state such as Arizona? We do this specifically for international companies. Uh, we run uh, very, very intense programs and we have uh, backers that actually fund startups to come from other countries to Arizona for two weeks to a month so that when they're ready to make US market entry, maybe they do so here. And so what we're doing is we're helping them to navigate the state, helping them to navigate the support, helping them to feel all the really good things that they need to feel and to see that there's opportunity here as late as last week, we ran a cohort uh, that ended last week of Canadian startups. And in doing that work and helping them to navigate Arizona and to understand the opportunity here and the connection to Mexico, et cetera, that company's still here. They didn't go back to Canada. They're setting up their US-based operation. They're doing so right here in the state of Arizona. And it's simply because, you know, we just showed them what was already here. So I think, you know, it was uh, it can be hard to navigate sometimes. And so one of the things that we do is we help point them to all the incredible resources in the state. Yeah, I agree. Um, tremendous opportunity there. So at Startup AZ, the organization was formed uh, by Mario Martinez and Brandon Clark. And in 2015, shortly after Mario had sold his company, he built an amazing company in Arizona, but he felt like he could have done so much more if he was connected to other smart founders and other resources. So he decided to help start the organization and really pay it forward to future entrepreneurs. So fast forward seven years later, we've worked with about a hundred founders to date. Our model is to bring them together in what we call the Startup AZ Collective. So each year we identify about 10 founders that we feel have the highest potential to become a great leader, to build a great company, and we bring them together. And so it's a CEO roundtable type of environment. They get together once a month. Um, and what we found from that is you build this very tight-knit group of trusted, it's kind of a trusted advisory circle per se, but they share resources, they share challenges, they work through problems. Some of the conversations that I hear in those monthly sessions, they're just, they're very honest, they're very human, they're very raw. I mean, it is hard to build a company. And so if you can be surrounded by people who are going to support you in doing that, challenge you when you're not when you're not fulfilling your potential, um, push back, ask questions, but but be there to support you. Uh, it's it's life changing, really. It's game changing. You can build amazing companies. And what we've done in the past year is, in order to help with the uh, the talent challenges, 
We asked the question. So the original question Mario asked was, could he be better if he was better connected to other founders and other resources? So the question that we've asked in this past year is, can we help these founders become even better, build stronger companies by helping the leaders that support those founders? So the functional leaders within each of the startup AZ companies. So we started a program here called Key Leaders, and we bring them together quarterly. And it's the heads of, uh, we started with the heads of people and talent. And it was kind of an experiment because if you think about it, we're bringing together the heads of talent and people for these, you know, these fast-paced, high-growth, high-potential startups. They're all competing for the same talent pool. So the question was, would they really talk to each other or would this be a, a huge failure? What we found is uh, we had about 15 of them participate. And we're, we've done this now three times. They've raved about the program and they love being connected to other other leaders going through similar challenges. So we feel like we're now taking the organization to the next level, kind of building the next tier of leaders to help our CEOs become even better, build stronger companies. And and one little story I want to share with that. One of the thoughts was, you know, there's there's obviously there's you're competing for the same talent pool, but you're going through the same challenges and you can help and support each other. What we did is we helped equip them with a way that if um, if I, I'm company A, I've got a fantastic company, I'm hiring a, a key position in my company, and I can only hire one person for it, but candidate number two or candidate number three were awesome, and I hate to say no to that candidate, but I don't have a job for them. Well, we've created a way to hand those candidates off to the other companies. So the thinking is, you know, if I can't hire you, I really want you to land at a good company. And if you think about that experience from the candidate perspective, you walk away from it not feeling like, well, I'm a loser because I didn't get the job. You're like, okay, this company really was impressed with me. They're not just feeding me a line because they're introducing me to another amazing company. So I think it's a win-win. And who knows, going forward, that candidate may down the road go back to work for company A. But what a difference in experience from a candidate perspective versus just being said, you know, sorry, you didn't get the job. So we're starting to see things like that happen. And, and I think that's powerful. And I can't wait to see where it goes. It's all about asking the right questions. It, you articulated it really well, but it's inherent in everything that each of you have said, right? It's the set of questions that we're asking and continuing to retool them so that we can make strong relationships, find the financing, and build those bridges. Steve, before we move on to the next question, is there uh, something specifically that I'm not aware of that AZ Tech Council is doing as well to support innovation and the smaller startups? You, I, I know your reach is so wide and so broad, but is there something AZ Tech Council is doing as well that comes to mind as we look at these barriers? Well, 85% of our members are small businesses uh, and many of them are startups. Okay. So while all the big all the big companies are members, you know, 97% of all businesses in Arizona are, are yeah. small businesses. One of the things that we do is through our programming, our events, you know, we do over a hundred events a year and it both educates uh, and connects founders and, and uh, leaders in various organizations. But one of the really critical things, Diana and I have spoke about this recently, is that we sort of pool the influence of our members and provide uh, lower cost products and services. So we have an association health plan. And uh, so the Tech Council acts like it's Intel and is able to negotiate much lower costs for medical, dental, vision, life, disability, all of those kinds of things. And our program is with the best, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona. Uh, we also run a 401k program uh, with the two 
biggest in the industry, uh, UBS and Empower. And even if you only had three employees or five employees or 10 employees, you could offer a 401k. And um, as Diana uh, spoke earlier, you know, it's, it's tough finding talent right now. And particularly for entrepreneurial companies, you know, you've got to offer them all the same benefits they could get if they were working for, uh, you know, a large company. So we help facilitate that through some of our programs. Next question I have, we sort of touched on this at the beginning. Um, has the ecosystem, the startup ecosystem improved in uh, sort of paving the way for uh, more diverse uh, founders, mentors, investors? You know, we're, we're in a time where the, the business sector especially is really focusing more intensely on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion than I ever have seen in my lifetime. It's really uh, game-changing, I think. And is that is that happening in the startup ecosystem as well? Who wants to take that first? I'll I want take to get it Stephanie on. go first. Yes. Yeah, I'll take it on. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that there are a lot of effort, some intentional, others forced. And sometimes you can tell the difference, but not always. And that's a dangerous place because we're doing what we're told and not really resolving for the greater issues. I think that there is a lot to examine yet. Yes, we've taken more responsibility, but have we washed our hands and figured it out? We're very far away from that. Not just as a state, as a nation, as a, a planet for that matter, but we do have a bonded understanding is that we have that we know that we have to do better and we are all making a collective effort and we do understand the issues and we're being intentional. We lost your voice, Stephanie. Yeah, Stephanie, we lost. We lost your voice, Stephanie. Can you hear us? I don't know that she yeah, can hear you. us. Yeah. We can't. Well, she's getting her audio readjusted. Either uh, Eric or uh, Diana, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I can. In just saying that, um, first and foremost, I personally rely on the expertise of folks like Stephanie and people who are out there doing such incredible work. I mean, she referenced the Community Investment Corporation's BIPOC Loan Fund. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only is that an opportunity for BIPOC founders, but it's BIPOC community managed. I mean, how, I mean, how incredible is that? And, and how do we take that and make that kind of stuff bigger? Um, because Stephanie's right, we are so, so, so far um, from being able to do this. And, and two things that I'll mention, you know, one, what we have to be careful about is that all this additional federal money coming down to organizations like ours to support startups all have a diversity and inclusion component to them. And we run the risk of organizations, including that for the sake of getting money, compared to being very intentional about how they actually create long-term success for diverse founders. And so, um, you know, we're, we're very, uh, we pay a lot of attention to that and rely on partners who do this work extensively uh, to tell us what to do. Um, but one area that we've picked to really focus on is uh, women-led companies and, and female entrepreneurs. So um, if you think about it, uh, I believe, and, and you can back me up or send me an email afterwards and tell me that my data is wrong, but I believe about 1.5% of the venture funding that goes to startup companies goes to women-led companies. I mean, 1.5%, like even if that was 10.5%, that'd still be abysmal. So, and on top of that, so then one of the reasons, one of the things that you think about is then how do we increase that? We'll give them more support 
right? But then you look at incubators like mine and the statistic across the nation is that 6% of the founders that they serve are female, right? Are women-led companies, 6%. I mean, we're over here bragging because we have 26% and that's still low. Um, so we've worked with uh, and received uh, funding from uh, both Wells Fargo as well as the Small Business Administration to specifically try to tackle just a small piece of this. And so what we do with that funding is we now, uh, at all times, seven uh, female STEM students we hire from a university and we they work uh, and we pay them and they work directly with um, our women-led companies and they they intern so they get basically the they they get paid but the company themselves doesn't have to do the pay and kind of connecting those it inspires the interns um it adds more support uh to the female founders and so that's just one little piece that we do but again you know for us it's important for us to rely on on the partners that are just out there and really truly doing the work that hold the expertise um you know folks like stephanie so as I was saying, yeah, there are a lot of collective efforts out there and I'm really proud of, of where we're headed, but we got to stick through it, like not just move with the trends and really do the work and be brave enough to have the, the tough conversations. <laughs> um, I've had to do a lot of that and it's really exhausting, um, but again, it's worth it. So I'm going to continue to push forward with that. So some of the things that we're um, doing differently um, is we're moving forward with a social equity model. So we're not trying to retrofit what and how people behave in other places uh, to offer the services that we're offering in Southern Arizona. And that is because the people themselves told us that they don't want that. They know that, that it's not for them. And uh, translating things into Spanish is just not enough. It is a, a viable solution in some occasions, but not all. Um, we gotta uh, consider all the factors on why diverse groups are not feeling included when we are offering inclusive space. I have a list of factors. I'll give a workshop on it if any of you are interested, but it's a, a lot more than language. And it's why the services that we deliver are culturally anchored because on our social equity model that's based on asking and then delivering based on what we are told is needed, we have been told that it's the reason why there's perceived barriers of participation is because they don't see themselves in the audience. They don't see themselves in the stories. They don't see themselves mm -hmm. in the social class that's there in the trends and how you dress, how you speak. We take a lot of things for granted and we're, we're changing it up. Um, we're, we're truly taking the time to not retrofit programs and design them according to what is needed uh, to really redefine like what startup culture could mean for the borderlands, for Hispanic people designed by us here, for us here. And we have um, a lot to learn, but also a lot to share with all of our partners across the state. With all intention, I kicked off Startup Unidos in Nogales because this is the place where people say there's nothing and it can't be done. <laughs> so and we already know that it's possible in Phoenix and Tucson and Hermosillo. So if I could do it in Nogales, then it's certainly possible anywhere else. So that's the re reason why we started here. And that helps with the talent because if we think that talent is tough now it's only going to get tougher there are so many cha challenges that um that we have ahead of us when it when it comes to talent and or really just jobs in general and jobs come from small businesses so we need small business formation to create jobs so workforce goes hand in hand with entrepreneurship mm -hmm. 
And we work in both of those spaces on both sides of the border. So we're not only um, showing people how to gain skills through entrepreneurial education and showing them how to create a job for themselves because the future is diverse and you'll need to be versatile. Um, but we're also helping like shape those that are ready to go into secondary education or post-secondary education, or even in um, diverse founders who are now like post-COVID looking to start something because their job didn't work out or they're ready for a new career. Um, so that's the space in, in which we work and we, we honestly um, couldn't, couldn't do it alone. Um, and we're, we're going to continue to examine this space and share um, these learnings to all of our partners statewide so that we can all take a greater responsibility in, you know, better serving our, our diverse uh, founders, not just here in Southern Arizona, but everywhere we can stretch. <laughs> well, and I think if anyone can do it, it's you, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. I'll add to that discussion. Uh, Startup AZ, we're a very small organization. We're just a handful of people but we are connectors. So we pride ourselves on connecting our founders to all the resources that are out there. So we point them to the different nonprofits, to the different funding sources, uh, different partners we work with. We do a lot of outreach around the state to help identify companies and identify diverse founders before they're ready for our cohort. So if anyone listening today knows early stage founders that we should be talking to and we're not yet, please introduce them. What we like to do is get to know the companies before they're really ready for the cohort, get to know them, get to know the founders, find out ways that we can support them and then bring them into the startup collective when they are ready. The other thing that I'll note is we did a better job this year on our outreach and on, bring, on reaching diverse founders and bringing them into the collective. We could still improve. But our latest cohort, we brought two cohorts in this year, 18 founders, and 43% of them are female or people of color. So I feel like we're representing, it should be higher, it should represent our communities better, but we're starting to make a dent on that and we'll continue. Karen, you ready for a commercial we break? We are. We have another uh, wonderful sponsor that is worth mentioning every time we're on air together, and it's JDH Insights. It's the AZ uh, Tech Council Tech Advocate Sponsor for 2022. Let's hear from them. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset they're humans. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. The time is quickly passing, as I said it would at the onset of our episode today. We've got about 10 minutes left. Steve, is there a question that you're just burning to ask? I want to make sure we get to, and I'm happy to lead we off with so one. so many questions in so little time, right? <laughs> right. Um, I, I would like to ask each of you, what do you think is particularly attractive about uh, Arizona to entrepreneurs? What are the characteristics of uh, our startup ecosystem that makes it superior? Or on the other side, what, what makes it more difficult? I'll jump in on one of the, the positive fronts. Um, as I mentioned, my previous company transferred me eight times. So I worked in the South, the North, the Southwest, Southeast, uh, Midwest, you name it. What I have found in Arizona is there is a there is a different accessibility to leadership and to the startup community, and you can get plugged in easily. I one of our founders in our new cohort uh, decided to move his company from Lexington, Kentucky, 
to Arizona last year. Uh, he had a small team, five, six people um, building software that uh, is a medical EMR system for the prosthetics and orthotics space. And he was introduced to me, knew I knew a little bit about that space, met a couple other founders in, in the collective, and he's now growing, he's building and scaling his company here. So he just, he looked at Arizona, heard it was a great place to be, dug into it a little more, met one person which who introduced him to four people, who introduced him to 10 people. And I think it's just the accessibility in the community. And he's already had conversations with half a dozen venture capital groups in Arizona. And that you just can't get plugged in as fast other places I've found than you can here. So I think there's still a, we still kind of have the the underdog mentality. We want to see people succeed. We want to see Arizona continue to grow. So uh, that's been my experience. I love this question uh, <laughs> because I like to consider myself like our state's biggest cheerleader. So I, I look at it in two ways. You know, first of all, there's the pretty um, obvious and, and, and standard um, aspects of Arizona that we all love to talk about. Um, you know, you have a lower cost of living, um, but, uh, you know, easy and quick access to the Intermountain West, Texas, Los Angeles, quick flights away. You want to manufacture or have any interaction with Mexico, here's the place to be, right? Come to Arizona, talk to Stephanie, engage with us, right? So there's all those normal pieces. Um, I don't think that all of those things necessarily contributed to the number I'm about to give you, which is that in total, and I had to look this up to make sure I'm accurate, nine companies have physically moved to Tucson, Arizona, um, to be in our incubator. And I don't think it's because of everything I mentioned earlier. Um, and they're from markets such as Pittsburgh, the Bay Area, San Diego, LA, Chicago. Um, some of them are international. I, I referenced one that happened last week. A few months ago, we had a company move here from Saudi Arabia and, and raise $18.5 million you don't hear necessarily these stories because they're not the biggest companies moving to Arizona, but they're coming here. And what I, what I'm gathering when we talk with them, why did you come here? Right. It's not that um, Arizona had a bigger business opportunity, though, arguably these days, we certainly represent that it's because of the people. So of all the things I just said, it's because they felt a warm reception from the leaders in the communities of Arizona period. They knew that if they were to come to Arizona, they can ask somebody for something and either they're going to get it or they're going to introduce them to somebody else. And that's why I believe nine companies have moved uh, to our incubator here in Tucson since 2019. I love that. That's how we started the conversation, <laughs> right? It's those connections and those introductions and knowing that we are an ecosystem that all of you have been supporting to have people want to come and, and stay. Stephanie, how about you? We're a state of innovation. Really, we're a region of innovation in Phoenix and Tucson and the borderlands. We offer something really unique that isn't available anywhere else um, because of our relationship to Mexico. We can get super creative with our solution making here in, in our state. Because we have strong, uh, responsible leaders that are actively looking to make a change, but also just because of, of where we are geographically. When it comes to the conversation of talent, we don't, we're not limited by just hiring talent locally. Although hiring talent locally is excellent for anybody that's looking to grow in the state because this area along with our four bordering states encompass 50% of all Hispanics in the United States. So if you're looking to diversify your company and get access to diverse talent, you wanna be in Arizona. You want to be in this region. 
if you're looking for creative solutions or just all, all, to be innovative, basically in your process or in your supply chain, um, we live in a mega region, you know, with uh, we have uh, unique offerings on how um, our supply uh, chain works and our dependency, you know, across both states. Um, which gives you access to manufacturing, to aerospace, to so many, so many um, different types of industries that are out there and are innovative, but maybe you're not considering um, would be available here in the way that it is like across two states. So it's also a really great place to visit. You know, there's good food here. There's a lot to do. There's history, there's soul, and there's also urban. You know, there's, you have access to, to the urban lifestyle. So if you are curious and, and want to be out there exploring, we're not a far distance from each other. I'm in, in Phoenix in two and a half hours, you know, from the border in Tucson in, in 45 minutes. And uh, we really lend ourselves to participate across each other's networks, right? And, and, and building opportunities uh, to develop a, a greater support system for anybody that wants to participate here in our state. And, you know, as I said, you know, we built something where we're wanting to do more and, and carry those conversations with how we can do more in innovation and create more programs and systems to have more infrastructure on how we uh, work with one another, you know, with our, our neighbors in Sonora. So uh, you'll hear more about that in, in the future. But yeah, that's all. <laughs> for now. Can I add Karen? one more thing here? Yeah. One thing that's particularly exciting to me is is where we're going and we are starting to see I think we're growing as an ecosystem and starting to see successful founders paying it forward and building other great companies so there's been some recent examples but I'm super excited to see the folks that have come out of successful companies like WebPT Infusionsoft Campus Logic those companies are growing and scaling and exiting and those founders are staying here and they're reinvesting in the community so I have the opportunity to work with some of those folks every day. I couldn't be more excited, uh, particularly people like like Hamid Sojai and Greg Scoresby, who both sold companies in the past year, year and a half, and are reinvesting. Um, Greg, who's our board chair at Startup AZ, so I get to see him a lot. I'm like, all right, what's next, Greg? You sold Campus Logic. You built it up for 10 years. Amazing success. What's next? And he said, I want to be the most impactful investor in Arizona. And I love that. I love that. He's looking at what yeah. can he do now. So he officially exited a few months ago and maybe has invested in like four companies already since then. So wow. he's putting his money where his mouth is. And, and that makes me excited for Arizona's future. And I hear a challenge there. Like who else wants to yeah. have that role? So right? the, the collective challenge, I think, for Greg here is for him to invest in, in not just women, but Latinas mm -hmm. who start six times more business than any other person. So that's the challenge for Greg. Yeah, raise the bar. <laughs> Absolutely. Steve. And, and one, one thing I wanted to add when you asked earlier about uh, what does the Tech Council do for uh, startups, <laughs> I completely forgot. So we do advocacy and uh, legislation, mm -hmm. and uh, we extend it. Well, we originally helped create the Angel Investment Tax Credit and then extended it for 10 years uh, last, last session. We also created a refundable R&D tax credit for early stage companies. So even if they don't have tax burden, they can take advantage of their R&D tax credit. So we do things in the legislative advocacy environment as well. And I think probably out of time. We are. And I wanted to 
if you can do a lightning, and, and maybe uh, Diana already just spoke to this. Curious, the last question, if we can do lightning round, what are some of the most interesting tech-driven companies that your organizations have worked with or those that you want to give a shout out that you've just watched what they're doing your Uber Impress? Can we have uh, both of you speak to that? And if you've got another one to add, you can, Diana. I got a, a couple. I'm super excited. I love all the companies in the collective. I'm super excited about what Navi Nurses is doing, what Equipify is doing, Better Agency and Nurture Boss. Those companies are really taking off and doing amazing things. All right. I love it. If it's going to be lightning round, I'll keep it simple and easy. Go to UACI.com. We have descriptions of all the companies that we have there. And if you're interested in helping or interacting with any one of them, reach out to me personally. and I'll make sure to connect you. Excellent. Very diplomatic. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? I will um, pitch two border youth startups here in Nogales. Um, one of them who is looking to rescue street dogs called Ayu Dog. That's a tech company that's looking to get them off the streets where 80% of all street dogs, uh, of all dogs are on the street. And uh, also Nogeco, which is diverting uh, produce waste from the local mm -hmm. landfill and turning it into a commercial product, the health and beauty product. Both encompassing technology that are right here from the borderlands. Perfect. We are going to close now. So I'll do a lightning round close. Typically, it's a little bit longer than this, but I just simply want to thank again, each of you for spending your time with us today. In addition to Arizona Commerce Authority and JDH Insights, if you're interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the council's AZ TechCast, then please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to learn more about the opportunities to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Again, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thank you so much for joining us on AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.